overall, my concern with DeBoer before the hire is still the same now, you know, over a week after the hire. And it wasn't necessarily his ability to coach. It's not his ability to lead a team or the decisions that he makes on the sidelines. My biggest qualm, if you will, with Kalen DeBoer was his ability or lack thereof to recruit at an elite level. You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Philip Jordan Show. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of Dutch Woods Football, a 96.9 legend and Auburn rider for last word on college football. Got a fun show planned for you guys on this Friday. I'm going to be joined by AJ Spurt. He is coming back on the show once again, and we're going to discuss, get his thoughts on Kalen DeBoer, the new Alabama head coach. Been a little over a week now since he was named a head coach at Alabama. So uh, me and AJ will discuss about that. We'll talk about the staff that Kalen DeBoer has put together at Alabama. We will also talk about the transfer portal losses and what that means for Alabama as well. So it's a fun conversation with AJ. Now I'll let you guys know we recorded this a few days ago. So this was obviously before Ryan Williams had announced he is recommitted to Alabama, which is big for Alabama. Kalen DeBoer is a big win in recruiting for Alabama. So, if you want to know why we didn't talk about or why we are not talking about him recommitting to Alabama, that is why we recorded that a few days ago. And then after my conversation with AJ, I will give my picks for the AFC and NFC championship games for this week. So, I hope you enjoy our conversation with AJ Spur. You can check out the Philip Jordan Show podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review and I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight up hater. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Everybody joining me on the show today, I, I'm telling you, if me and this guy keep I keep having a moment. I'm gonna to have to put his name on front of the podcast. It's just gonna to have to happen. But uh AJ Spurs, site editor of the Roll Tide Wire and AJ, I appreciate you coming on the show once again. Oh no, I'm I'm just shocked you keep inviting me on. I I'm waiting for the day you just kick me off and you know, tell me not to come back. So thank you so much for having me and whole lot of news to uh, to talk about. Oh, you are a great guest because there's some guests that I feel like I have to drag answers out of. Uh, but, uh, you were one. I, I lay it out there. I lay a question or even a statement and, uh, you go head first into it. So you're, you're one of the better kind of guests that I like having. <laughs> well, thank you. And if I ever got to shut up, you just let me know when. That's, I'm usually the one people won't, don't want to hear talk. It's, even though I'm the host of the show, there's like, Phillips, quit talking so much. I want to hear the guest. I want to hear the expert on the show, not the host uh, that thinks he's an expert. Uh, but anyways, but yeah, you're always great to have on the show. And it's kind of funny because last time we talked, it was after Nick Saban had retired, but Alabama had not yet named Kalen DeBoer the head coach. We talked like on a Thursday, and that show came out on, on a Friday like this one is doing. And then that Friday – Kalen DeBoer was announced, and we talked a little bit about Kalen DeBoer, kind of like he'd be a good hire, but maybe didn't see that one happening. Just now that mm-hmm. we're over a week in on this hire, 
What's just kind of been your overall thoughts of Kalen DeBoer, the new head coach at Alabama? Overall, my concern with DeBoer before the hire is still the same now, you know, over a week after the hire. And it wasn't necessarily his ability to coach. It's not his ability to lead a team or the decisions that he makes on the sidelines. My biggest qualm, if you will, with Kalen DeBoer was his ability or lack thereof to recruit at an elite level. Now, we haven't necessarily seen too much of that from him or at least too many opportunities given to him uh, at the Power 5 level, who's only at Washington for two years, but failed to really create a recruiting class that rivaled you know, the, the teams like Alabama or other teams that are at Alabama's level. So maybe if he had more time in Seattle, he would have been able to get that done for the Huskies. We weren't able to see it, so we go into this kind of blind. However, we have been able to see what he's able to do with the rosters that he's been given. And a lot of people have been saying, not to say that Washington's not a very talented team, because last season their team was very, very talented. However, as the recruiting rankings and the numbers and, you know, the, all the people that just, you know, they're fascinated with these rankings, um, the stars and whatnot, Kalen DeBoer is known for doing more with less. Now he's at Alabama. Let's see what he can do with a little bit more, uh, you know, facilities, resources, recruiting tools, whatnot, uh, than he had at, at Washington and even Fresno State. So, the thing with DeBoer at this point, in my opinion, is, you know, what kind of staff is he going to have around him, which we now have most of the answers to, and they all look very, you know, keen on recruiting, especially in the area. And then you also have to think, how is he working with the players that he inherited? You know, those that left, those that didn't leave, and players that uh, that were committed uh, as high school commits or high school recruits, rather. Uh, there's a lot of talk about Ryan Williams. Uh, obviously, early enrollees like Julian Sayan, uh, he on his way to Ohio State now. So my biggest thing with DeBoer, and I, of course this is going to be the one thing that makes headlines just because it's the offseason and it's the only thing football-related that can make headlines, is going to be recruiting and the transfer portal. Yeah, and with him, you're right, because, what, two years of Fresno, two years of Washington. So he's never really even had a chance to have a full cycle in it, three to four years of his players being in the program. We've seen what he's done with a transfer portal. Of course, Michael Penix was one of them at quarterbacks. You know, they had him at Indiana, mm-hmm. and he brings him over to Washington. And you talk about the staff. I mean, and that's always one thing when you have a coach that comes in that's not from the Southeast. I'm not just saying the SEC, just the Southeast. Because it's different mm-hmm. in this part of the country than it is where he's coming from. And that's not a knock. It's just a case. I, and then before I say this, uh, any Alabama people listening to this are probably about to get mad at me. But I'm not comparing the two as coaches. I'm just saying the situation. We saw what happened when Brian Harson went to Auburn. He was a guy not from the southeast, not a fit. We saw it happen. I'm not saying Kalen DeBoer's going down that road. I'm just kind of – that's the closest <laughs> thing I can come to as a comparison – to it, but Urban Meyer also wasn't from the Southeast. We saw what he did at Florida. Um, but when you look at the staff, he brings in a lot of his guys from Washington. Ryan grew up his office coordinators coming in, but he also goes and gets, you know, Kane Womack from South Alabama. They had a relationship there at Indiana, but Coach Womack has been around from his time in the Southeast, not in the SEC, but in the Sun Belt with South Alabama as an assistant and now as a head coach, bringing Freddie Roach back on defensive line, Robert Gillespie retaining him as a running backs coach. 
What's been your big takeaway just from the staff he's put together so far? Well, first of all, it's important to note, uh, which is what you finished with, uh, the, the coaches that he retained. He's not looking to clean house and start over. DeBoer has impressed me the most, and I've seen a lot of people talk about this uh, online as well and in the articles that I've read. He's impressed me and many others with how open he is to taking over this program without starting anew. His, his decisions so far with uh, some of the, the coaching hires and retentions and his willingness to work with Coach Saban, he said he would be a fool to not work with Coach Saban. And I think it would be foolish to assume that DeBoer has been going through this uh, coaching hire process without the, uh, the advice of Nick Saban. You know, he, he's probably in his ear, which Alabama fans should be very happy about, and so should DeBoer because this is an extremely difficult job to take. And, and I think he's going about it the right way, given the circumstances. However, outside of the retentions from within Alabama, I love the fact that he brought in Ryan Grubb, especially considering this is an offensive coordinator that Alabama wanted, Nick mm-hmm. Saban wanted last year before, you know, getting Tommy Reese, who, is now on his way to the Cleveland Browns as the tight ends coach. You know, he spent one year in Tuscaloosa. Ryan Grubb was their go-to guy, and he stayed loyal to Kalen DeBoer and Washington. And now, uh, once again, he was willing to stay loyal to Washington so long as they offered him that head coaching job. He apparently wasn't their guy for it. And what did he do? Remained loyal to DeBoer and, you know, is now in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I love the, uh, the Womack hire. I think having those ties, not just to the South, but to Alabama specifically, and in such a hot recruiting bed uh, like Mobile, you know, just South Alabama, working North Florida, parts of Georgia, he's a guy that's going to be really important on this staff, not just in his role as a defensive play caller, but in building, establishing, and maintaining relationships uh, with some of the top recruits and possibly even players currently on roster. And I think that he's also beneficial in terms of helping DeBoer assimilate to, uh, to the Southeast. You know, Alabama, just really the Bible Belt in general, we talk about the Southeast and football go hand in hand. And DeBoer being a South Dakota man, he's coached in the Big Ten. He's coached out West. He's gone to the Pacific Northwest. Not to say that football doesn't run through his blood because I'm absolutely positive that it does. But it's understanding the do's and the don'ts of the college football culture in the South that I think Womack is going to be able to offer Kalen DeBoer, not to mention uh, the co-DC hire, at a, the, the former head coach from Buffalo, uh, Mo Linguist. He's a, he's a recruiting monster. So just on a national level, being able to recruit at Buffalo, you know, at that level, at that location, you, know, you have to be somebody special to be able to do that. DeBoer noticed that. DeBoer brought him on staff, and now you have two defensive coordinators that were former FBS head coaches last year. All right, I think that's very important to remember. And, you know, they're both very solid at recruiting, one specializing in the Southeast, one specializing on a national level. I think DeBoer has really surrounded himself with the best possible people to lift him up in year one 
hopefully for Alabama fans, a little bit longer than just a year. I know a lot of Alabama fans have gotten accustomed to Nick Saban hiring a coordinator. They're there for a year, two, three at most. And by year three, they're either you know sent packing because they didn't do a good enough job to get hired somewhere else, or they did get hired somewhere else. So I'm excited to see what DeBoer can do as an individual, but I'm very, very excited to see uh, how this program shapes out over the next few months throughout the 2024 offseason because of uh, the coaching hires and retentions that he's had. You know, and you bring up two great points. And what I'll bring up is you talk about Kane Womack being in Mobile. Look, as someone that covers high school football too, the team we do here uh, with 96.9 with uh, Wiregrass Daily News also, the Dothan team, they always match up in the playoffs with a Mobile team, and they've actually played Mobile teams from uh, during the regular season. And that is an area of the state that is littered with talent. It's that area, mm-hmm. the Opelika, Auburn area. Of course, you get into Birmingham where Thompson and some of those schools are at too as well. That is a talent-rich state. So you can kind of get like a really stranglehold with Kane Womack, who you know has relationships with those high school coaches in that area. That could be big mm-hmm. recruiting. Big time, and I mentioned, you know, the importance of having Kane on this staff to hone in on the South. I, I mentioned Mo. We, we talk about DeBoer, who, look, he's now the head coach of the Crimson Tide. He was the head coach of Washington, took a team all the way to uh, to the national championship, right? This, this staff is able to recruit nationally. I'm talking, you know, coast to coast, border to border. This is a coaching staff fully capable of connecting with and establishing relationships with some of the players that maybe Alabama or other SEC teams wouldn't necessarily think about recruiting. Yeah, and that's true. And also having two former head coaches on your staff has got to be also great to kind of more of a, a sounding board. Of course, we know the relationship between the board and Walmart. I mean, that's why Walmart said he wouldn't have left South Alabama just for any job to be D.C. I mean, it was this guy – the board he said he trusts him they're really close friends that's why he left south alabama it is further for that he still be the south Alabama head coach but also having mm-hmm. somebody on your staff that's, that knows what you're going through yes that was on a group of five level but still knows what it's like being a head coach that's also got to be a huge positive just having that sounding board from guys on your staff that have been through what you're going through as the head man absolutely look this is and I really do hate to sound like a broken record, and it's really just because there's a lot of unknowns, but there's a lot of promise and established potential uh, in this coaching staff. And I think recruits are going to take note of that. Uh, we're not looking at you know a ragtag team of coaches that were you know banded together to you know take over after Nick Saban. This is not a, a Disney movie. You know, this is not a feel-good story. This is a coaching staff comprised of two already established FBS head coaches, a coach that just went to the national championship, and an offensive coordinator that led one of the most electric offenses uh, in the country last year, took it to the national championship, and was being heavily pursued by Alabama the year before. All right, this is not, this is not a coaching staff that's going to have to prove themselves to recruits. Now, right now, they're going to have to prove that they're, you know, 
able to get a plan in place for the 2024 season. But I don't think if recruits actually approach them, you know, with a chance to explain themselves, right, I don't think this is going to be impossible to do uh, for the current Alabama coaching staff. So as far as establishing relationships, you know, making those connections uh, from players to, to coaches or, you know, players on roster to recruits, I don't know if there's going to be as big of a challenge for this coaching staff that many people are currently predicting because everybody was talking about players, you know, decommitting, players heading to the portal, you know, X, Y, and Z. Take a step back and understand this came at a time where, you know, the, the transfer portal was closed, right? We're past early signing day. Players are not, you know, too sure. You're talking to 17, 18-year-old, you know, players. These recruits are not, you know, comfortable with, you know, Nick Saban retiring and Kalen DeBoer taking over. They're allowed to take a step back and say, you know, maybe I do want to just consider all of my options. You know, I, I know I'm just going on a rant right now, so I'm sorry, Philip. But it's it, my my biggest issue right now with the the national discourse surrounding this Alabama coaching staff. Forget the team, just the coaching staff and DeBoer, is that you know they are going to crumble under any pressure. They are not going to be able to keep up with the rest of the SEC, let alone you know the elites of college football that Alabama has led for 17 years now. Right. My my biggest problem is the the underestimating of already proven head coach or proven coaches that are now on this staff. So I just got myself all worked up there. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. Good stuff. We're a podcast. We can go as long as we want. We don't have to worry about uh, going into a commercial break or anything like that. <laughs> Now let's talk about obviously a big storyline. Obviously, is you know the coaching staff, but also the transfer portal. The t- players that yeah. have entered the portal and have left. I'm just going to name off stuff. Of course, Caleb Downs. That's the biggest one. It going mm-hmm. to Ohio State. Uh, Caden Proctor going to Proctor going to Iowa. I think there's some question marks with that with tampering and everything else. But that's a whole mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. conversation. Of course, you brought up Julian saying going to Ohio State. That's another one. Isaiah Bond in the early. Parts of this going to Texas, also Amari Nyblack, uh, Rodell Williams going to FSU, Antonio Kite, Auburn, Des Ricks going to A&M, and Trey Amos going to Ole Miss. How concerning is that to you, these players leaving and going to other schools? You know, that that's, that's a question I think that's applicable to every program that, that consistently loses players and you can point to the elite programs, right? Georgia loses players every year. You know, obviously Alabama loses players every year, especially this year, Texas, Michigan, Ohio State. It happens. Now, the schools they're going to doesn't bother me, and I don't think that should bother any fans, really. We're talking players that were good enough to start or, you know, be one deep uh, on the Alabama roster. These are some of the best players that there are in the entire country. So, yeah, they're going to be committing to other, you know, high-quality, big-name, competitive programs. Now, as for the number of players that left, look, there were players that left before or at least entered the transfer portal before Nick Saban retired. Uh, There were some that entered what felt like minutes after Nick Saban retired. And there were some that took some time and, 
you know, maybe gave Kalen DeBoer an opportunity to uh, to meet with them and explain his vision for the program and, you know, how they might fit into it uh, and then enter the portal. I just, I don't see this as anything that is out of the ordinary, especially considering it was Nick Saban that retired. You know, uh, look at Arizona. They lost Jed Fish. Washington lost. Kalen DeBoer, Michigan is soon to lose uh, Jim Harbaugh, so it seems, you know, maybe by the time this airs, he'll already be in Los Angeles. But, you know, whenever a program loses a head coach, when a program's players lose, you know, the main reason they committed to the program for a lot of them, it's going to happen. You know, this is not an Alabama-specific thing. And I know it's it's fun for a lot of other uh, fan bases to, to laugh and point at Alabama just because the Crimson Tide has been the gold standard and the top of college football uh, for so long because of Nick Saban. I don't think that it's it's really anything more than, you know, those that despised Alabama or were envious of Alabama now having an opportunity opportunity to say, look, you're finally losing something like the rest of us. You know, it, it kind of brings a sense of morality to the Crimson Tide that maybe some fans, you know, we're talking 17-year-olds, they're about to graduate high school, all their lives they've only known a, a Nick Saban-led Alabama team. Mm-hmm. So while it's it's fully understandable to say, look, it's, it's bothersome and worrisome that all these players are leaving, it's normal. It happens, and hey, the spring transfer portal window is right around the corner, and I think a lot of people are excited to see uh, what DeVore is going to do then because that will be a real big test for him and the rest of the coaching staff. Yeah, and I was about to bring that up, and and I saw Brandon Marcello talk about this too as well. I forget where it was I saw it, but I did see him talk about this. And that's going to be big for Alabama because, one, you probably will have some other players on the current roster right now enter the portal. That's just normal for after the spring. Guys figure, okay, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get to play here. I'm not where I want to be on the roster. Let me go see if I can find somewhere else where I'm going to play. But for Alabama, there's going to be more players, big-name players, talented players that will enter the portal. And then Alabama will be able to say, hey, we've got openings here now because of these guys that are left. There's going to probably be a lot of attention on that and a lot of interest in being on the Alabama team after the spring time when that portal opens up. Without a doubt, and I mentioned you know Alabama being the gold standard. Until proven otherwise, Alabama is still the gold standard. Alabama, that script A, carries a lot of weight. And I know Nick Saban's a big reason for why, you know, recently – Alabama's meant so much to so many, not just within the state, but across the country. But as Greg Byrne said during his introductory press conference of Kalen DeBoer, Alabama is lucky because it is one of the few, if not the only, programs in the country that has not just one legendary head coach, but it has two Mm -hmm. in Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. So the fact that they have more than one implies that there's an, an unlimited amount at this point because for as long as football will be around, there's going to have to be a head coach of Alabama. Nobody can live forever because if they could, Nick Saban would never not be the head coach of Alabama. So it's going to be a matter of you know, 
will Alabama be able to find their third legendary head coach? Maybe Kalen DeBoer's that guy. We don't know yet. Regardless, if you're a player looking to transfer, it, it would be very unwise to not at least hear out what the future of Alabama is going to look like and possibly be able to play in Bryant-Denny Stadium. I don't know. Just the whole brand of Alabama football right now carries way too much weight for anybody to automatically rule them out. Look, even Nick Saban talked about for the season when he went on vacation with his wife, which, you know, of course, you know, with Miss Terry, which he rarely does. It's an international brand. People in other countries were saying roll tied to him. So it's one of the things. It's like Duke basketball. I mean, people internationally know Duke in basketball. I mean, there's, I mean, yeah, other countries don't do college sports like we do here, but still, there are certain brands that are just international, and Alabama is one of those. Uh, two mm-hmm. more questions for you, then I'll let you go. I know we've gone a few Absolutely. minutes over uh, how, how long I, I said I'd keep you. Jalen yeah. Milrow, mm-hmm. I, I have questions just because of seeing what the Washington offense looked like with uh, Kalen DeBoer, you know, DeBoer, with Michael Penix. Yeah. And obviously mm-hmm. Jalen Milrow is a different kind of quarterback than we've, we've yeah. seen DeBoer have. What are your feelings about Jalen Milrow fitting in with Kalen DeBoer? This is this is an interesting one because it's it, it's the question can be answered with another question because if you say you know how does Jalen Milrow fit in with Kalen DeBoer I would answer that with how does Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubb fit with Jalen Milrow and by that I mean <clears throat> is Jalen Milrow the only option Alabama has a quarterback and the clear answer is no. Uh, it's a very talented quarterback room uh, with, with different styles of play, different you know abilities, and different strengths and weaknesses. Now, Kalen DeBoer mentioned very early on after being introduced as head coach that he has not been locked into a specific style of play when it comes to the quarterback position, that he is very fluid when it comes to you know his, his, his offensive play style. Uh, depending on who's at quarterback. So I don't think that this is necessarily a matter of, oh my goodness, are we going to try and fit Jalen Milrow into this, you know, square shaped hole that is the Kalen DeBoer, Ryan Grubb offense and, and just try to make it work. I think if, if Grubb and DeBoer really do like Milrow and what he, he offers, they will build an offense around him. Something that, you know, Tommy Reese tried to do late in the season. Uh, in 2023, but really wasn't able to get done uh, as far as, you know, being the, the most effective style of offense. However, if they like what they see from Dylan Lonergan, uh, Ty Simpson, Austin Mack, even, you know, I, I think that they'll roll with that. And depending on whatever style of play they offer, they'll tailor something to, to them. You know, so I, I don't think that we are heading into this season with absolute certainty that Jalen Milrow is going to be the starting quarterback. I'm not going to say he's not the starting quarterback, but I really do think that everybody here is starting square one. Uh, Once spring practices begin, it's tryouts all over again. And I don't think there's going to be a set game plan for this Alabama team uh, until they know, you know, who QB one's going to be until they know, you know, who are the, the best wide receivers they have on roster. Who are the running backs, you know, going to be uh, that that lead uh, that backfield? You know what the offensive line is even capable of. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we saw this past season, 
you know, if they're not able to protect the quarterback, you know, if you put Michael Penix in, in that Alabama offense last season, they're not sniffing the college football playoffs, and it's not because of Michael Penix. It's because he wouldn't have been able to do what he did so well at Washington. You know, conversely, Jalen Milrow really did make this Alabama offense work because of what he's capable of doing. And it didn't really matter that there wasn't a, you know, beautifully clean pocket 100% of the time. So I, I really do think my answer to your question in the end is it depends. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. That's going to be, I think, one of the bigger storylines going into spring for Alabama. So the last thing I want to ask you, and this is not an Alabama-related question, but you're a big sports fan overall. I feel like like I am. watch all kinds of sports. All right, Sunday. We're good on Friday, and I'm about to give my picks when we get done with this conversation. <laughs> Who's playing for the Super Bowl in a few weeks? Who's winning these two games on Sunday? Oh, gosh. Are you asking me who I want, or are you asking me who do I really think is going to win it? Okay, give, give both. Game. Give both. Look, I'm conflicted right now because uh, I'm a Packers fan. I'm still not over Saturday night, but uh, uh, anyways, uh, you can get you can get both both responses. My preference would be Lions Ravens. I think that would be an amazing Super Bowl matchup. I would just love to see that. Um, you know, even though what happened earlier in this season, you know, didn't fare so well for the Lions, I think that would be. I think that would make it even better. Uh, but I really do think we're going to get a Niners-Ravens matchup from, you know, the Harbaugh days of both of them. So I, I'm going, I'm going if, I have to, if I had to put money on it, and this is not betting or gambling advice, I would say Niners-Ravens is your Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, well, hey, either way, if we get the 49ers in there, it's going to be a rematch of some kind of, of a Super Bowl. Exactly. So. So uh, we'll see. It's gonna be fun. Like I said, when we get uh, when you when you get off the line, I'm gonna give my picks on them. But uh, AJ, uh, this has been fun uh, having you on. Uh, we went a little bit longer than we planned, but a lot of good stuff talking about <laughs> Alabama. Uh, oh no, no apologies. Hey, it's a podcast. We go as long as we want. But uh, if the uh, listeners and viewers want to check out, where can they find you? Well, they can find me on uh, social media at. FM, S-P-U-R-R, and then FM like the radio dial. And they can always check out RollTideWire.USAToday.com for all things Alabama, uh, football, basketball, athletics, SEC talk, college football, and sports talk. Uh, we got a whole host of everything with the offseason. There's plenty of content uh, to check out and explore. As in this conversation, uh, they just heard there's plenty of stuff going on with Alabama football. But anyways, uh, AJ, I appreciate the time, and I look forward when we get to do this again. Oh, likewise. I'm looking forward to it. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legends. But Digio Strategies has other options, too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows, like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m., and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton, middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, and others. Fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and coast to coast am keep you company and connected throughout the night plus fox news the alabama radio network and wiregrass daily news keep you informed with national international state and local news and with more musical choices like all the hits 1067 kmx 
Today's Country 95.5 WTVY and Music 1077 Digio Strategies gives you more choices and more variety. Listen on air, online, and on our apps. 96.9 The Legend is just the beginning. All right, once again, thanks to AJ Spur for coming on the show. Pre- always appreciate AJ coming on. It's been a frequent guest here of late, but always appreciate AJ coming on to talk all things Alabama. Uh, as we are here real quickly, here's my picks, who I think is going to play in the Super Bowl. This has been a tough one. Uh, the NFC, I think it would be really cool if the Detroit Lions were to get into the Super Bowl be a great story a team that's never been there they really are the underdog team of the weekend but i think the 49ers talent will over, overtake it i think brock purdy will play better better weather and i just don't think they will play a bad game back to back i know a lot of questions with Debo samuel i just have a feeling he's gonna give it a go so i will go with the 49ers to win the nfc championship the afc championship game Look, I did it last week, and you think I would learn my lesson, but I am going to go with the Baltimore Ravens to win the AFC Championship game at home. I think Lamar Jackson has a great game. I think it's a close game. I think both these games are going to be close. But the difference between the Ravens and the Bills, the Ravens' defense is pretty much healthy, and I just don't know if they can contain Lamar Jackson, and that's going to be – the big thing in that one. I think Lamar Jackson makes a great throw, a great run, a lot of great plays. Patrick Mahomes will make his fair share too, but I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens to play the 49ers in Super Bowl, which that is a rematch from way, 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 way back. I think 2012 was the when those two played when it was Joe Flacco versus Colin Kaepernick, the Harbaugh Bowl. Edward Harbaugh in the news, he is, of course, the new Chargers head coach. I think they'll do a good job there because he is good with quarterbacks. He's just good with teams. I think the Chargers will be a playoff team next season. That's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back next week on the show. Make sure to check out when the episodes will be coming your way. Got a lot of great guests lined up that I'm going to talk with next week. On the show, I am scheduled, which you know, this always be subject to change, but I am scheduled to be joined by Locked On Auburn's Zach Blackerby. I am also going to be joined by Michigan reporter, writer, Trevor McHugh. He's going to come on, so we'll be talking to Jim Harbaugh. We're going to NFL. We're going to talk Tennessee Titans uh, with Mike Herndon. Had him on the show before. He's coming back, and I'll give my thoughts on the two conference championship games but that is where we're going with next week on the show. So, hope you check it out. Hope you enjoy this one. And uh, I will talk to you guys next week. Remember, follow me on social media at PJordanSEC. The podcast is available on all your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just know wherever you get your podcast or Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. Remember, you can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com and check out all my written work over at Last Word on college football. Till next time, bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Philip Jordan Show. Subscribe to the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the show over at the Philip Jordan Media YouTube channel. Got a question or topic idea? Email the show at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. Join us next time for more great football talk.